Thank you so much, Ambassador, for allowing us to speak to you about this important program. Now, this is the first time in-person um, meeting of the United Nations high level since the outbreak of COVID. Just uh, how important is it that uh, the UN is able to again gather together in this manner? It is very important. Um, it is not lost on member states, uh, on the UN itself, that the last time we met was in 2019. Of course, last year there was a gathering, but as you know, it was very limited. Uh, um, there was limited access to the UN itself, and the agenda was, uh, was shortened. Um, so it is important that uh, we meet this time. And testimony to that is the number of uh, heads of states and heads of government that have confirmed to be in participate in the UN uh, uh, UNGA 77th session. Um, we're talking about uh, 140 plus uh, heads of government and states that will be participating in this in the in UNGA 77th session. And uh, how important is it that uh, the United Nations it needs to lead on the COVID-19 uh, recovery? Okay. It is important. Um, it is the UN. If you think about it, this is a, a body, a multilateral body, the multilateral body that brings all of us, uh, member states, uh, to come together, to collaborate, to cooperate, um, to work on challenges that are facing the world today. So those challenges that we know that no one single country can deal with. Um, and, and, and therefore it is important. And it goes back to your first question. Um, part of why it's important that we are able to come together in this UNGA High Level Week is because of the multiplicity of uh, challenges that we know are out there. And therefore, those should be addressed uh, in this in this high-level week, uh, um, in this session. Um, COVID, yes. Uh, with COVID specifically, we still have to deal with the recovery from COVID, the impact of COVID on livelihoods, on 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 people, or in their livelihoods. We still have to deal with that. We know that the recovery was not the same across the world, across the globe. Developing countries suffered the most, and and are still reeling. From, from from that uh, unfortunate uh, uh, disaster. So uh, it's important that we deliberate in during this this high level week on that recovery that is uneven. Mm. From um, COVID now to peace and security mm. issues mm. that I know the United Nations yeah. has been vested in now. Um, there's there's a meeting. That obviously, will continue to look at the conflicts. Uh, that has been ranging on, yeah. you know, Ukraine, yeah. yes. other parts mm. of uh, mm. the world as well. Mm. Conflicts mm. still going, yeah. go right, ranges on as mm. well. Mm. That um, will the uh, United Nations be looking at that specifically? Yes. On this, this week? Yes, it's, it's important. Uh, as you know, the focus of the UN, I mean, the creation of the UN was to prevent uh, future wars, uh, future conflicts, and uh, and really focus on Pacific settlements of, uh, of conflicts. So a meeting and a gathering of our leaders, of global leaders, just has to focus on that and give that attention. And I think it'll be in this space that countries like ours, like South Africa, will be able to send out a message about the importance of a uh, cooperation in dealing with global conflicts. Um, we spoke about 
uh, COVID earlier, but conflicts, COVID, uh, all of those are really impacting negatively on, 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 on people. Um, and it's important that, uh, as you know, there are conflicts raging, not only in Ukraine. There are ongoing conflicts in our continent, in the Middle East. Um, the last uh, meeting of the Security Council focusing on conflict was on Friday, and this was in Europe between Azerbaijan and, and Armenia there too. So right across the, the, the globe you see of conflicts that needs attention and that needs to be, to be focused on. So we have to remind ourselves here at the UN in the Security Council that there's a need to focus on all conflicts equally and try and address those equally as well. Talking about attention now, the attention that has been given to mm -hmm. the reform agenda of the yeah. United Nations Security Council mm -hmm. and the UN itself as well. Um, any progress on that? It is a it is an interesting uh, area. There's a need for the reform of the Security Council. We've been saying that since for for a long time now. Um, every year, there's a, there is intergovernmental negotiations on this particular issue, the reform of the Security Council specifically, uh, and enlarging the Security Council so that it reflects uh, the diversity of, of member states today, and um, so that other geographical uh, uh, um, uh, members are, are, are represented in the Security Council, as you will know that, especially the permanent five. So of course, we, you'll have uh, the elected members coming from, from, from across the, the globe, but in the P5, it doesn't really reflect uh, the world uh, today, contemporary. Um, so, so it's important that, that, that there is reform. So every year we take our time to discuss this issue. Um, the positions are still entrenched. Those that do not want to see reform are still there. Those that are progressive and want to see reform also uh, are pushing for that. South Africa is one of those uh, together with other member states. And um, what, what has shifted though has been the acceptance that the African continent and its position, the Ezulini consensus and the Seted Declaration uh, are, have been accepted uh, by the broader membership. So if you look at, as we negotiate, what are the areas of, of convergence and what are the areas of divergence, the one area of convergence across all the different groups on, on, on Security Council reform is accepting the Ezulini, uh, uh, the common African position as, as articulated this in the Ezulini consensus and the Seted Declaration. Um, so that that is an area of conversion. As to as to where the 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 expansion of the Security Council uh, should happen, whether in the elected category or in the permanent category, that's where we we differ. Uh, and the other second issue is the veto, the question of the veto. 
if you expand the Security Council, will you then, ex that veto will it be um, given to the new members of, of, a, of, of, of the Security Council? So those two issues are still, that's where member states are still not, not, not. There are areas of divergence that we still have to, to, to discuss. But of course, the other important thing that you will have heard us talk about um, more and you know quite often is the fact that as we we are negotiating on the Security Council reform, it is important that we begin to document what we are talking about, to document what the areas of convergence are, what the areas of divergence are, and we refer to that as text-based negotiations. Right now, we are talking year in, year out, but it is not text-based. So we don't have a negotiating text that that is in front of all of us that we are negotiating from a common text and, and, and we move and take as, as, as we go paragraph by paragraph. None of that is happening. Uh, and, and ordinarily, that's how we negotiate here at, at, at the UN. And so South Africa and many other and member states are, are calling for text-based negotiations so that we can see progress on, on this issue. Otherwise, we come back, repeat our positions year in, year out, without really seeing, seeing much progress. Um, so we, we're really pushing for, for text-based negotiations on the Security Council reform. And of course, on, on reform of, of, of the entire um, uh, UN system, um, that has also been articulated uh, when, in 2019 when the leaders met. This was at the 75th anniversary of, uh, of the UN. Time to pause and reflect on, is this the UN that we want, the UN that we need, uh, the UN that can carry the multilateralism that, that we require so much? Uh, and of course, uh, um, that, that, that led to a number of commitments from the member states' side in terms of how do we improve uh, multilateralism, but also from the UN system itself. How does it begin to respond better? How does it begin to support member states better? And how does it begin to do things differently um, wherever the, the agencies are? Um, so that is ongoing work as, as, as we speak. So yes, the Security Council, but also the UN as a whole, so that we have a modern day UN that is alive to the challenges that we are facing. I must say that um, the modern day UN obviously mm -hmm. has its history where South Africans continue to um, participate mm -hmm. in. Can you talk to us about the, the UN system and the number mm -hmm. of institutions that mm -hmm. um, is, uh, are there supporting its work okay. in terms of are South African represented? Mm -hmm. Do they continue to okay. take positions of leadership but also play an important role where mm -hmm. South Africa it's recognized as a very important player okay. on global governance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, there are <laughs> the, the, the UN organization is quite huge, really, um, and allows for. And um, today we're talking about as we as we reform the UN, um, looking at a networked, uh, uh, inclusive, and effective UN. Uh, networked multilateralism, meaning that you begin to allow other players to be part of addressing the challenges that we need to address. Uh, so the modern uh, UN will allow and realize that, yes, member states, 
are negotiating and member states are taking the decisions. However, you do have other important players that contribute to the solutions that we come about. We're talking here about civil society, the, the importance of the role of civil society. And South Africa continues in this environment to talk about the importance of civil society to be included in UN processes, uh, the importance of uh, um, academia, the importance of the private sector. Uh, we have are playing a leading role in the Peace Building Commission. That's one body where South Africa participate quite actively. In fact, we are now a member of the Peace Building Commission. And in the Peace Building Commission, we have broad focus on, uh, the Peace Building Commission focuses on post-conflict uh, uh, um, uh, areas, on, on fragile states. Uh, and we're saying that the private sector should and must contribute to peace building in post-conflict situations. They benefit uh, in, 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 in peaceful uh, societies, um, uh, and therefore they must really contribute to the creation of peace, to the sustaining of peace. Um, so we we've introduced here, together with our partners, uh, the concept of peace-positive private sector development. So we've brought that into the system, and now it's, it's something that uh, the Peace Building Commission is looking at. And we're really looking at a space where we can develop norms uh, um, for the private sector to get involved uh, in, in post-conflict areas. There are, there, are, there are enormous opportunities. We see private sector getting in, but how must they get in? Uh, they must get in in a manner that, that promotes peace uh, instead of you know, putting those countries back to where they were before. Um, other, other, so the peace building is one organ. The other, of course, the primary organ is, is the General Assembly, where you have all member states being represented, um, including us. Um, and in the General Assembly, this is where we deliberate. That, that's the main policy uh, deliberation body of the UN, and, and we contribute quite um, substantially to that. Uh, we have led resolutions initiated raised resolutions in, in, in the in the in the general assembly itself um, we also play a, a leadership role in connecting the peace building commission and the general assembly so south africa is the coordinator between those two bodies um, there are there are there are six committees of the general assembly and in those six committees of the general assembly south africans play different leadership roles. The staff here in the South African Permanent Mission of the UN are playing different roles. They are facilitating resolutions, they are coordinating different groups. So let's say the Africa group, and there's a particular focus, let's say it's financing for development, you will find a, a colleague, Soraya Jacobs, leading a, a, that, or for G77 plus, plus China. Um, you look at the first committee, uh, which is around issues of disarmament, and again there we have South Africans here at the mission playing important leadership roles in that first committee for different issues. Our our DPR, Deputy Permanent Representative, is the chairperson of the um, Disarmament Commission. Um, uh, same as, as, as our other colleague Yasin, who is also playing some coordination role. So every committee, there are six, from first committee to the sixth committee, 
we have South Africans that are in the permanent mission, but also at head office, playing leadership role in one way or the other, coordinating work in those different committees. What does that mean? It means that as South Africa, we are contributing to the system, to the UN system. Because remember, these committees are committees of the UN, of the General Assembly. So we are contributing to the functioning of, of, of the UN system. But at the same time, of course, we are advancing our, our, our values as reflected in our constitution and uh, what, what we value so much it flows through into those into the, into the work of those committees and um, yeah so while we are assisting the system we are also making sure that our values of e equality of uh, freedom of justice are infused into the resolutions that are coming out of all the bodies i myself was the chairperson of the uh, commission on the status of women and uh, and i continue uh, be taking on the second year chairing that, that, that particular commission. We are also leading on, 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 on uh, uh, pandemic uh, prevention, um, preparedness, and response. So here we're looking at future pandemics. And South Africa here at the UN is leading uh, uh, in terms of how we, 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 we channel the focus on that particular issue and make sure that uh, we do not experience what we experienced last time with, with COVID, how the world responded and how the developing South was left behind. Uh, this time around making sure that uh, there's proper preparedness uh, for future pandemics, which are definitely going to happen, um, but, but they should find us ready, in fact. So, so that'll be the General Assembly. Then you have the Human Rights Council, the work of the Human Rights Council um, largely happens in Geneva. Uh, so Ambassador uh, Ngozi anchors that work. Uh, however, some once the, the resolutions all come back to, to, to New York to be adopted here in New York, some of the resolutions in one of those committees of the General Assembly. So we have to work very closely with our colleagues in, 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 in Geneva when those issues come through. Similarly with Vienna, where issues of a, 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 a disarmament actually is, is happening in Vienna, a nuclear non-proliferation treaty being managed there and other issues, they also come through back to New York. So we, so we have to work very closely with Ambassador in, 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 in Vienna. Um, then another important body, in fact, here, at, at, and it's, it's, it's New York work, it's, it's the ECOSOC, the Economic and Social Council. Quite important. This is where we take care of all the development issues, all the issues that, that we care about so much in South Africa. And when we talk about our triple challenges, those are being fleshed out, those are being engaged with. We're seeking common solutions in the, uh, in, in, in the ECOSOC is the body that deals with it. If we look at financing for development, when we look at illicit flows of, 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 of finance, um, it, it, it's all the SDGs, let me put it that way all the sustainable development goals from 1 to 17. 
the ECOSOC deals with all of those. And as we speak today, there was a meeting that is called the SDG moment, where we pause and say, how are we doing on the SDGs? And as you will know, we're not doing very well. But um, uh, our minister, Gungwele, uh, has been quite active in this space um, to, to, to bring in the, the um, the, the, the view of South Africa as far as as far as SDGs uh, are concerned. For the first time, we're having an education summit during the high-level week to focus on how are we dealing with education, especially post post the COVID. How do we recover? learning recovery? How do we begin to address the issues of digitization to, to assist education? So it's a host of issues around education, lifelong learning. Um, so all the SDGs are being dealt with in that body called the Economic and Social Council. So those are, I've just lifted some of the, some of the, the key organs of, of, a, of, of the UN, but there are many other um, where work happens and South Africans are represented. Uh, and I'm talking, when I say South Africans are represented, I mean there are South Africans that are serving in these bodies as special rapporteurs, as coordinators, not South Africans in the mission, but these are South Africa, professional South Africans that are coming from South Africa and doing work in those in those bodies. Yeah. And those expert panels are being supported by the mission as well? Yeah, we're, 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 um, because, so, so here's the point. When, when you deploy South Africans into international organizations, remember that cabinet approved the framework for deployment of South Africans into international organizations, right? And they can be deployed in different capacities. The one that some of us feel passionate about is how can we, dis how can we get young people into international organizations, into the UN, into other multilateral bodies as intense and because it starts there and they grow in this multilateral system. So we, we, we develop strategies for that. And you can also deploy South Africans into the system through secondments or through candidatures uh, where they become judges and, and so forth. Or through when they become civil servants of the UN. They call them international uh, civil servants. So there, South Africa supports and hence we have that 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 framework uh, that supports. Uh, but at the same time, you 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 give space. So if it's an international civil servant, you also give space for them to do what they have to do. But they 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 they, they, they um, there is still a relationship. But there is um, there's a professional um, distance, if I may to call it. But they know what to advance. They know what to promote as much as their civil servant, because in the multilateral system. After all, the values should be the same. It should be about cooperation, collaboration towards common, common, common solutions uh, and dealing with common challenges. So um, that's how we, we, and really it's an area where uh, it continues to receive focus from the government of South Africa to make sure that we have South Africans that represent, that are there in all these organs, in the expert panels, in in the international, even your IMFs, your World Banks, uh, the IIEA, whichever, all the agencies, but not only in the headquarters of these agencies, we should also look for opportunities for South Africans in the field, in peacekeeping operations, um, 
in the UN um, DP, you know, the, the resident system where you have the, 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 the UN DP together with UNICEF and other agencies being on the ground, we must have South Africans serving in those capacities as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Okay.